going to be continuing where Bishop left off, or this might be a sequel or a prequel. We'll see where it goes. Matthew, you know your movie fans, you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to go to Luke chapter 4. And I'm going to read a familiar passage of scripture. Luke chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 16 to 18. Just read those few verses. 16 to 18. Amen. So I'm going to be reading it out of two translations. I'm going to read it out of the NRSV, and then I'll read out another translation. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. When you have it, you can say amen. 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 Oh, 18. You put 18. Yeah, put 18. All right. Put 18. Yep, thank you. Let's say it together. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free. Amen. I'm going to read out of a different channel. It's the New King James Version. Let me just read it. All right. Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had no need to preach the gospels of the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recite to the blind, liberty of those who are oppressed. All right. This morning I want to preach from a simple subject. I want to preach from the subject a mission minded church. Everyone say a mission minded church. A mission minded church. Several years ago, it was oh man, it was about 13 or 12 years ago, Bishop and I traveled to Manhattan, New York, because he was going to Nyack College at the time. And someone kept telling him about this church that's in Manhattan. Like, you know, you need to go on a Sunday and you need to go and see what they're talking about. And I heard some rumors about the church. I heard so many things about it. And I was just curious if this see if everyone is talking about it, obviously there's some buzz going on. Have you ever noticed that? So I believe we were driven to Manhattan and we got out the car and the line to go inside of the church was around the corner. For some funny reason, as we were walking to the entrance, even though there was a long line, I can say he might be embarrassed, but me and Bishop was able to skip the line. <laughs> and as we got inside, this particular church did not look like a church. So as we were walking inside, Brother Ronald, it was dark. I couldn't see anything, couldn't see anybody. I was I tripped going inside. I was just like, where are we going? 
as we were walking inside, there was no lights inside of the place. I hear different voices. I'm slipping on liquid that's on the floor. I feel people pushing me because they're trying to come in, and I didn't know where I was. As I'm coming in, I see smoke machines blasting everywhere. I hear people making noises. There's people running across the stage. I didn't know where I was. So as we're walking up the stairs, similar to like a movie that we're walking up the stairs, and as we're in our seats, they were like, welcome to our service. And I was confused. I said, this doesn't look or feel like a church. So they have these big spotlights flashing everywhere. And they got different strobe lights throwing everywhere. And all these things that are going on. And I can't see Bishop. I can't see the person next to me. And we're crammed in this place. And as we hear, people are saying, oh my God, I'm so glad to be in this church. But for some reason in my mind and my heart, it didn't feel like church. As we're there, uh, the service is going on and there are people trying to come inside and they're cutting off the lines and all these things that are happening. The music did not sound like gospel music. It sounded like worldly music, sounded like pop music. I didn't really know what they were trying to say. And then all of a sudden, someone comes in and they're giving out candy and raffle prizes and all the stuff that are happening. I didn't know what was going on, Sister Lynch. I found I was confused. They're giving out, you know, airheads and, you know, uh, narrowators and bottles of water and they're passing out sodas. I'm like, am I in a church or a party? I didn't know what was going on. And as I'm there, I begin to feel this uncomfortable feeling. Have you ever been in a place where you felt so uncomfortable? Yes, amen. And as I'm sitting there, there's someone next to me who smells like the devil's lettuce. There's someone behind me I could smell on his breath that wasn't water. And I'm sitting there like, what is going on? And so the pastor, I believe, he got up and he started to talk. Now, I would not say he was preaching. He was talking. He was talking. And at the end of his message, he said something that bothered me, even to this day. He said, here at this church, you know, we have a mission statement. And I, and I was listening to what he said. He said, our mission is to make Jesus famous. And I said to myself, that sounds cute, but is that really the mission of the church? He said, our mission is to make Jesus famous. And I remember I was leaving that event, leaving that church, felt uncomfortable, was really confused by that statement. He said, our mission statement is to make Jesus famous. The question that I had in my mind when I was leaving from there was, does Jesus want to be famous? Wow. Because we're, we're realizing that we're living in this time where now everyone wants spotlight. But no one wants servanthood anymore. Amen. 
We live in a time where everyone has this fascination with being famous. I, I don't understand what now we hear. If you hear little kids and say, what do you want to be? I want to be TikTok famous. You ask a child and say, I want to be YouTube famous. I want to be an influencer. Is that really the purpose and plan of God for our lives? And when I was thinking about that, I said, what does it mean when you say you want to make Jesus famous? Because whenever you want fame, you will do things that is not like God. You'll begin to change your morals and you'll begin to change what you think and so you can fit in to receive that thing. Have you ever noticed it? When we look at the culture of today, everyone is obsessed with being known. So they'll tell you, hey, you know, change this and wear this and look like this and bleach your hair this way and wear certain dresses or wear certain earrings. But then we realize that the more famous someone is, the less creative and the less honorable they are. I had to think about this. He said, our mystery thing is to make Jesus famous. I realize that we're living in a time of consumer mindsets. Why is it that we see now this consumer mindset has come in the house of God? Have you noticed it? Amen. Uh, Matthew, you can show the slide of the consumer and the other slide, the church, consumer church. Because I'm realizing that now we're seeing this consumer mindset even happen to leaders and pastors. We're seeing people have this consumer mindset where like now we pick and choose what's going on. Okay, let's see. Um, hold on. Nope. Oh, wrong slide. The consumer one. Did I send it to you? Okay, hold on. It's all right. I'll just talk from it. All right, you can put the McDonald's one up. So now we live in a time where we are showing consumer stuff in the church. Have you noticed it? And when people have... Yes, thank you so much. So when we look at this, we have consumer church and a mission church. Now, when we see consumer church, it says church is seen as a dispenser of religious goods and services. It says people come to the church to be fed, to have their needs met through programs and professions. Don't we see that up today? And then that is different from a missional church. Because a missional church is where people are sent on a mission in a community for worship. Now, why would someone talk about consumer church? Because now we're living in a time where we see people pick churches like they're going to fast food. Amen. We're living in a time where now you can show the picture of fast food. So now we're living in a time where we show churches 
that has, we have what I call McDonald's Church, where we go in and we tell the people what we want to see on Sunday morning. So we'll tell them we want this kind of church. And we want this kind of music. We want this kind of message to be preached. But that is not how God works. We're living in a time where we see people come and they tell me, oh, you're a preacher. Yeah. Well, I want you to preach this kind of message. I want to hear this kind of music. And I told someone, I said, you can go to McDonald's and do that. But when it comes to the house of God, that's not something you can do. Because we have to stop taking God and trying to maneuver him in our fast food mentality. But when we look at a mission-minded church, my mind thinks about a few different quotes. It was C.H. Thurman who once said, the church is not a religious club. It is a hospital for sinners, a refuge for the weary, and a community of grace-filled love. I want to say it again. The church is not a religious club. It is a hospital for sinners. It is a refuge for the weary and community of grace-filled love. When do we think of that as a church? That is the best way to explain it. When do we look at the body of Christ? We look at the church in Jesus. We have to realize that in order for us to see the mission of church, we have to come to the word of God. Amen. We cannot allow culture to define what church is. We cannot allow people to tell you what church is. But we as Christian believers, we as churchgoers, we tell culture who we are. We tell them who, what Jesus has done for us. We tell people what Jesus will continue to do for us. That's why we have to understand the mission of the church. What is this mission of the church? Well, when I look at Luke chapter 4, we find the blueprint of what we're supposed to do as Christian believers. Now, when we come to Luke chapter 4, give some context. Jesus is here at Nazareth, this location that Jesus is here, he's in his hometown. As he's in his hometown, he comes to the synagogue. As he comes to the synagogue, as he comes to the synagogue, we understand that when we come to the synagogue, he's here and he's giving the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was the prophet that was speaking in the Old Testament. He was the one that prophesied that Jesus was going to come. He never saw the promise, but he knew the promise would come to pass. That is good news for us because we know that we may not see everything, but we know that the promise is going to come. Have a lot of witness in here. So as he begins to prophesy that someone is coming, now Jesus is holding the scroll of Isaiah. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I want to stop right there. When we look at that first part, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
That means that we must have the Spirit of the Lord on us. We as Christian believers need to have the Spirit of the Lord flowing through us. That's why I'm very leery of people who tell me, oh, you know, I'm spiritual. I said, what does that really mean? Because we have a lot of people who are in the spirit, but they're not in the spirit of the Lord. We've seen people who can quote scripture and they can say it like the back of their hand, but they don't have the spirit of the Lord. Have you ever noticed that people who can come to church and smile and act like they've been saved for 40 and 30 years, but they have no spirit of the Lord on them? Amen. I remember I was reading a story of a prisoner, and he was given a, a death, death penalty. And he was in his jail cell crying. And there was a prison guard who was listening to him cry. And he said, why are you crying? He says, I'm about to be put to death. He said, I don't understand this. He said, why? He said, you have quoted scripture this entire time in prison. He said, you quoted it from Genesis to Revelation. He said, from Revelation to Genesis. And he said, why are you so afraid of death? And the man with tears in his eyes said, I know the Bible. He said, but I don't know the God of the Bible. And when I read that story, it struck me because there are moments when our lives, where we assume because people think that they know something, but they don't know the God that they worship. There's something dangerous when you can come to church every single Sunday, come to Bible study, come to prayer, come to service, and do all of that. And then all of a sudden, when God comes in the room, you're there silent and dead like a doorknob. Because people don't know the God that they serve. The reason why I say that because you see so many different things and ideologies being said all across the place, but yet no one is speaking what Jesus is saying. We have a lot of people coming in a weird spirit, people who have wall-like spirits and people who say things that God has never said. What is going on? We're living in a time where now we have people who say that they're preachers of the gospel. We have people who say that they love the Lord, but they don't know the God that they're singing about. They're going, we're living in a time where people don't know the gospel anymore. Have you noticed it? As, am I, am I, or am I by myself? Amen. Have we noticed that now we see people who say they have a spirit, but it's not God's spirit. We have people who say one thing and their lives are not matching what they're saying. I remember during the pandemic when the whole shutdown happened, how people lost their minds. Let's be honest here. We see people say things and do things from the shock and the trauma of COVID-19. I remember I was having conversations with people and they were telling me all these different things and how they're afraid and they're going to give up. And I said, wait, we as Christian believers know to have faith in the midst of chaos. 
We as Christian believers know that yes, while the world is scared, we stand on his word. Amen. We as Christian believers know that we stand on his promise. And his promise that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Bible says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then it said, he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. Another translation will say, preach the gospel to the poor. We need, in a mission-minded church, preachers who will preach the good news to the poor. Let me say that again. We need preachers who will preach the gospel to the poor. We do not need motivational speaking on a Sunday morning. I'm going to say that again. We do not need motivational speech. I do not come to church on Sunday to hear how to have a happy life. Amen. I do not come to church to hear five ways to be happy or how to have a positive Monday. I don't come to church for that. If I want to hear motivation, I will go to YouTube and hear a motivational speaker. But when I come to church, I come to hear the preached word of God. I don't come here just to hear someone tickle my fancy and tell me what the news is saying. I can read the news for myself. I don't come to church to hear about what Joe Biden said. I don't come to church to hear about what someone did in the congressional hall. I come to church to hear the gospel preach. We need preachers of the gospel. We don't need people who's just going to come and make you smile or they're going to come and just give you a pat on your back. No, I need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel sets you free. The gospel turns your life around. The gospel transforms you. There may be someone even online listening to me right now and the gospel is touching your heart even right now. We need the gospel to be preached to us. How can we hear without a preacher? We need preachers of the gospel. We don't need people who's just going to come and just say something that's going to make you feel happy because happiness goes away immediately. There are moments where we can smile and we here are happy, but happiness does not hold you in the midnight hour. What holds you? Joy does. Because when I'm going through unjoyful moments, there is a joy that will carry me through what I need to go through. You see, when I come on Sunday morning, I want to hear a message that's going to carry me through my week. Because even though I'm going through some problems, that message will still carry me through a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday. We need the gospel to be preached. We don't need people just to come and just say things because they just feel like being smart and showing how brilliant they are. We need preachers of the gospel. And what I notice here in the time that we're living in today, we have a lot of people who come into the pulpit and don't preach God's word. 
I know that doesn't sound really nice, but it's the truth. When we look at all the things that are being said, there's no gospel being preached. There's no people preaching a real gospel. There's everyone saying a bunch of stuff, but where are the real preachers? Where are the ones who will stand and who are the ones that will still be faithful to God? When we look at preaching the gospel, we need people who are not ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1 verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. The question I have for you is, are you ready to preach the gospel? Even if you're not a minister, even if you're not a pastor, you can still take your life and show people the gospel. Your life can preach a gospel better than anybody else. Amen. I remember my grandmother would say, she said, I'd rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. Amen. Because there are many people who can say so many things, but their lives don't match up to Amen. what they're preaching. Amen. And even as you are Christian believers, even on your job, share the gospel to your co-worker. Even as you're on the bus, share gospel to someone. Everyone needs the gospel. Everyone needs the gospel to love and touch their heart. The Bible says, he has anointed me to bring news to the poor. Good news to the poor. We need the good news of the gospel. When we look at our mission, our mission involves anointing, but also involves preaching. Then, as it says, it says, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. There are some people who are locked up and locked down. And not just physically in a jail, but in a mental jail. There are some people who are in a spiritual prison. There are some people who are so locked down in their darkness that if you shed some light, they'll run away from you. Have you noticed that? You see, we as Christian believers, God has sent us to open doors for people to come out. We as Christian believers are not just called just to sit in the four walls with our fancy clothes, but we are called to what? Release captives. We at least know five, three, two, or even one person that's in a bad situation. So instead of us judging them, instead of us being afraid, we as Christian believers has the power and the authority of Jesus Christ to unlock some doors. And as we unlock those doors, we say to someone, come with me. Amen. And as we take them by the hand, what do we do? We bring them to Jesus. Amen. Our job is not to make ourselves like we are the light. But we are just light bearers. Amen. We are called to shed light to those who are in darkness. Amen. We are called to say, yes, I'm a Christian, but if you want to get to know this Jesus, come with me. Because as you come with me, we're going to come to Jesus together. That's why the song says, come to Jesus, come to Jesus right now. He will save you. The problem is we have all of these churches now that are built on personality. What we have to understand that it's not about 
the priest's personality, but it's about God's presence. Because in the presence of God, I have my chains that are falling off. When I'm in the presence of God, things will begin to flow. When I'm in the presence of God, I don't worry about anything else. But when I'm in need of opening doors, God can open doors for me. Amen. He said, he has sent me to release to the captives. There are some people who are in captivity. There are people who have made millions of dollars in captivity. I'll tell you a story. I remember one night I was with a lawyer friend of mine, and we were having dinner, him and some other constituents that were there. And I remember I went to the front of the restaurant, and I noticed that there was a woman crying. And me, you know, me being an optimistic person, I went over and I said, are you okay? And the, and the woman was crying. She said, oh, I'm having a bad time, and I'm having a sad you know, night and I'm upset and I just started to talk to her and I began to minister to her. And I said, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be alright. I began to really talk to her and spend time ministering to her. And you see, sometimes God will open doors for you to minister in the less likely places. Amen. You see, every if I had a dollar every time I said I ministered and it was in the church, it, yes, that's true, but I also know if I ministered even being outside. And every time I began to talk to this woman, I began to talk to her and just encourage her and just, you know, speak a blessing over her. And I went back to my seat. And as I was sitting down, my lawyer friend of mine said, what happened? I said, I was talking to a young lady. She was, you know, dealing with a lot. And one of the guys next to me said, oh, you don't know who you just talked to. I said, what's that? He said, that's the owner of the restaurant. I said, I didn't know that. Because sometimes it does not matter how high class society you are or low class society you are. God will send you to help those in captivity. Amen. We need the gospel. Now, it said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You know me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim to release captives. Now, then it says, to recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. So when we look at this, we said recovery of sight to the blind. There are some people who are blind. There are some people who are dealing with spiritual blindness. There are people who don't understand why we come to church. There are some people who don't understand why do you come every single Sunday and spend time in the sanctuary? Why do you worship this God that you say is amazing? If, but the question I have is if you just knew how powerful this God is, you would know why we worship him. If you just knew how wonderful he is, you would, you would see why we jump for joy and we worship him at every single opportunity. God deserves our worship. And then it's the, the recovery of sight to the blind. There are some people who may be blind and don't realize they're blind. Amen. We met people, Sister Lynch, who can say I, they see everything, but they don't see the right thing. You ever met people who say, oh, I, I see everything. But are you really realizing what you're looking at? 
Because you may be looking at something one way, but sometimes you need God to open your eyes to see something that you've never seen before. There are moments where we come and we see folks who say, oh, I see everything. I know everything. But if they look in the direction that they need to look in, they'll begin to realize that God wants them to see something greater. It said to let the oppressed grow free. There are some people who walk in oppression. There are some people who walk in oppressive mindsets. Have you ever seen someone who's oppressed with depression? Have you ever met people who's oppressed with a sad life on their lives? There are many people who deal with oppressive things and they're acting like they are free. I remember I was talking to a young lady one time, and she was telling me, she said, uh, she said how she hates men. And I said to myself, I said, okay, and instead of me getting upset because as a man, I said, let me respond to this as a man of God. Because sometimes in moments, there are moments, well, I have to be honest, where I want to respond as a man. But I have to realize as a man of God, I have to respond softly. Amen? Amen. So as I was there, she was telling me she hates men, and this person did this, and this man did that. And I asked her a question after she finished yelling and spitting and gargling on the phone. I said this to her. I said, who hurt you? And she said, what? What are you talking I said, who took away your joy? I said, because it's easy for us to wake up and blame this person and blame that person and blame everybody, but we have to run. Who hurt you? And after she began to get quiet for a second, she said, my father did. And I said, That's, I said, okay. She said, I said, so it was your father that hurt you that had you have a oppressive mindset towards men. She said, how did you know? I said, because now we found the root to the problem. There are many people who walk around and they make millions of dollars. There are many people who are quote unquote anointed, but they have problems and they have issues and they never discovered the root. There are some root issues that have to be cut. You see, in order for a sickness to stop, you don't just give Tylenol to it. No, you have to look at it as a doctor and see what is the root of that problem. If you have an issue, if you have a problem, the worst thing a doctor can do is not help you. I'll give you a case in point. If I went to the doctor and the doctor saw that there was a cancerous tumor on my brain, and I said, I keep saying my head hurts. If he says to me, oh, just take some Pepto-Bisbol, you'll be fine. And I go out the doctor's office, take Pepto-Bisbol, and then realize a month later it's stage four. And I don't have any help. What does that mean? That doctor did not give me what I needed. What did he do? Medical malpractice. Why? Because he did not treat my sickness. You see, we have a lot of people walking around spiritually sick. 
And they think because they get degrees or they get money or they get a car or they get a house that their sickness is treated. But let me tell you something. Years and years of spiritual sickness can kill you. Years and years of bitterness can kill you. Years and years of anger towards family members that have been dead for years can kill you. Have you ever noticed how people are oppressed with anger in their heart? They wake up angry. They go to bed angry. They're, you talk to them, how you doing? I'm angry. I'm, I'm just mad. At breakfast you're angry. At lunch you're angry. At dinner you're There's something wrong. What is the root to your anger? There's something going on. We have to get to the root as the body of Christ. We No longer do we have to put makeup and cosmetic on my issue. But we need to come to God bare faith. We need to say, Lord, I need you. And it says, let the captives go free. So how are we a mission church? I really, well, is this helping you? Is this helping you? How do we show a mission church? Well, I want to give you some keys and then I'm going to let you go. Is that all right? Just give you a few more minutes. How do we engage in this? We engage in acts of service. Number one, we engage in acts of service. Church members can give opportunities of serving people. That's how we become a mission church. We serve those in need. Amen? Amen. Number two, we give forgiveness. Now, the word forgiveness is a cuss word in church. Because we're so easy to talk about, the Lord forgives me. The Lord forgives But let me tell you, if someone asks you to forgive, there's always a hard movement because you don't want to forgive. I'll be honest, since, you know, uh, my mentor, Dr. Weston, he said, confession is good for the soul, bad for your reputation. So I'm going to mess up my reputation for a minute. When I did the seven last words for several years, I always told the host pastor, do not give me word number one. And he said, what's the worst of them? Father, forgive them for the knowledge what they do. I said, don't ever give me that word. Why? Because I had unforgiveness in my heart. And it's easy, I'll say this, it's easy for preachers to preach and to say everything, but not talk about the issues that we deal with. It's easy for those to stand up and say it. Forgiveness is hard to do. I'm going to say that again. Because it's getting quiet here. Forgiveness is hard to do. Even when you are right. Oh, let's talk about it. Because there are moments where you were correct. And that person was just wrong as two left shoes. And they got in your face. And you had to hold your peace. And let the Lord. You wanted to take your hand and put it around their neck. But you said, Lord, forgive me. Lord, please, I'm going to sit. Lord, hold me. Yes. I've had moments like that. Yes. If you can be honest, Brother Ron, am I lying? They're going to be like, who? You don't know what I can say right now to ruin your whole day. You don't know. I can, I'm telling you. I will tell you, I will tell you something funny. Three years ago, I will talk about it now. Three years ago, someone called me. And they were mad at me. I mean, oh, Mr. Blake, they was mad at me. I mean, they were upset. And 
As they were coming, they were cursing me out and telling me all kind of stuff and telling me, you know, where to put stuff, where the sun don't shine. I mean, just going off on me. And God said, don't say anything. And I mean, it was, I tell you, I said, oh, God, please. And God said, hold your peace. And what I mean, I held it, and I mean, I held it, and he- I said, God, please, Lord, please. And I held my peace. It didn't say anything. Several months later, this person lost two family members in a matter of months. And when that happened, I saw that at God vindicating me. Because there are moments where people intentionally attack you. But that's when you call on God to protect you. You see, people think forgiveness is easy, but forgiveness, you forgive yourself and then you forgive that person. But forgiveness is when you're saying, Lord, I give it to you. Because Jesus said, Father, forgive them. He spoke to God. He didn't speak to them. He spoke to God. We have to talk to the Lord when those moments happen. Now, forgiveness does not mean I go and have chicken with you and we go hang out. That's not what forgiveness means. Forgiving me, I forgive you, but you stay where you are. I stay where I am. Don't come near me. I won't come near you. Why? Because that's a boundary level. Forgiveness requires boundaries. Is this helping someone? Then we have to share the gospel. Number three, we have to share the gospel. We have to share the gospel with those that are in need. We have to share the gospel to those who are in need. Number three, number four, sorry. Advocate for justice. Because we see it said, proclaim release to the captives, recovery, the first go free. Now, justice means you look for justice for those who are in need of justice. It does not mean you ride and burn things down and you steal out of a department store. That's not, that's not justice. Amen. So when people are protesting and burning neighborhoods, that's not what God said. God said justice. Okay. Justice means you stand for those who are voiceless. Amen. You stand for those who are in need. And when we look at a riot, Dr. King said, a riot is a language of the unheard. The reason why people riot and they yell and they scream because they feel like they are not heard. But we as Christian believers, we stand for those that are not heard and we defend in love. Amen? Amen. Then number five, have a compassionate heart. We need to have a heart of compassion. We as a mission-minded church must have a heart of compassion. Do you love those who are in your neighborhood? Do you love your neighbor? Do you love the people that are close to you? Because what good it is to come every single Sunday and we come and we say all these different things and we don't show love outside of the four walls. We as a church have to show love to those in need. Amen? Amen. I want to go to one scripture and then we're going to wrap this up. Is this helping someone? Amen. Uh, Matthew, give me Ephesians chapter 5. 
verse 25. Thank you. Let's give Matthew a hand again. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Gonna wrap this up. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Okay. We have it? All right, perfect. All right. 25. 25. Ephesians chapter 25. You give it to me now. Uh, yeah, perfect. All right, let's sing together. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. I want to share this now. Last year I said a quote that shook some people on social media. Because for me, I like to be controversial for Jesus. That's just my thing. So last year I said, I said, I can't date someone who loved Jesus but hate the church. And some people got angry at me and wanted to start an uproar, which is fine. Someone asked me, they said, why did you say that? I said, we realize that a lot of people in culture and in people who are so-called Christians say, I love Jesus but hate the church. And I said to them, I said, you cannot say this. They said, why? I said, Ephesians says, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. I'll give you a perfect example. I remember there was a young lady I was good friends with. She married a husband I was not a fan of. I didn't go to the wedding. And somebody said, why you didn't talk to her? I said, I said, I can't be friends with her. So I said, because I don't love who she is married to. I said, in order for me to love her, I have to love her husband. When we look at this, we have to love Jesus and his bride, which is the church. Amen. We can never get to the place where we as Christian believers talk against who Jesus loves. Amen. Who does Jesus love? He loves his church. Empires have come and gone, but Jesus and his church will still stand. Politics come and go, but Jesus and his church shall still stand. How do we stay as a mission church? We have to love his church. We have to love the people inside of the church. So whenever people say, oh, I've been hurt by the church, well, I said, well, you go to a job where your boss disrespects you, but you still go. You deal with family members who can't cook, but you still go to their house for Thanksgiving. You have friends who talk about you to your face and behind your back, but you still deal with them. Yeah. Why? Because you love them. If you love Jesus, you have to love his church. Amen. We should never separate the two. There's no separation. Love Jesus and love his church. If you have a problem with someone inside the church, pull them to the side. The Bible says, come, let us reason together. What does that mean? That means before you come to the sanctuary, resolve your issue in Jesus' name before you come to the sanctuary. Amen. As I close, I want to close with this story. I remember one time I was having some tension with a brother in Christ of mine. And we were going to the sanctuary for a service. I said, let me tell you something, brother. I said, before we go in, I said, I apologize. Amen. I said, before we go in, I said, I don't never want to go into the house of God with tension with my brother in Christ. I said, we have to fix this before we go inside. And he said, I apologize too. I said, give me a hug. I said, let's have church. We should never get to the place where we go and we get so angry that we don't go to God and get it fixed. 
And if you have some, I want to say this, if you have some pain and some tension with someone, fix it with someone in Jesus' name. There should never be a place where we as Christian believers are mad at someone and we don't want to say anything. No, I love you, you love me. The song said, let the Jesus in you love the Jesus in me. If we love Jesus as much as we say we do, we have to show Jesus' love to those in need. And we as a mission church have to love those even when it's hard to love them. I'm closing. I want to say that again. We have to show love even when it's hard to love those when it's hard. And we as Christian believers have to stand and defend Jesus and his church. We should not come and just say, well, I have a problem with this, I have a problem with that. We have to love his church. Why? Because he died not only for you, but he died for the church. And we as the church are on a mission. We're on a mission to help in Jesus' name. We're on a mission to preach the gospel. We're on a mission to help those in need. We have to be the light bearers for those in darkness. Amen? Amen. We have to take the time to show people the love of God. And the reason why we see all these things that are happening in our world is because people don't know how to love anymore. And we have to show God's love. Amen? Amen? When we show God's love, we will show them love that is surpasses all understanding. The song said, it's not a gospel song, but it says, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. This world needs God's love. Our job is not to change people. It's to bring people to Jesus. I want to say that again. Our job is not to change because we cannot change people. Amen. 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 But we have to bring those to him and he can change them. It doesn't matter where you are. If you come to Jesus, he can change you. He can fix you. Amen. God has the power to help you, to strengthen you, and to encourage you. We should never get to the place where we feel like we don't know what to do. But we as Christian believers know that God is able to bring us where we need to go. Empires have come and gone. People have come and gone. Presidents have come and gone. But God's church will still stand. We should never get to the place in New York where we just drive past and we see all these churches being turned into apartments and coffee shops. There has to be a church somewhere. Amen. That the church is still important. Even those watching me online, the church is still important. Amen. We have to belong to a church. We have to belong to a body. That's how a body moves. Because the arm needs the hand. The hand needs the arm. The foot needs a leg. Everything is connected when we come together in the name of Jesus. Amen. We must be a mission-minded church. Father, we thank you, God, this morning. That you are the focus, God. We are not focused on our own agenda. 
We're not focused on anything else. But Lord, this morning we focus on you. We will be a mission-minded church. We will be a church that is focused on doing what you want us to do, God. Lord, we focus on your will. We focus on your plan. We focus on everything that you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for being a mission-minded church, for being a, a praying church, for being a powerful church, a church that focuses on you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 If you are not saved, we tell you to come to Jesus. I don't skip over any opportunity for salvation. But there are people who come to church, but they don't even know Jesus. Amen? We have to realize that Jesus is the focus. Amen. Amen. Let us take a moment now to give. Let's take a moment to give. Amen. There are many ways to give. Amen. Mm-hmm. 